guys, Evan from Jimaware. We're really happy to be supporting Coach Tomato's podcast series once again. For those that don't know, our main product is Jimaware. It's the gold standard for measuring performance and implementing velocity-based training in the weight room. It excels in busy team training environments, and for many coaches, it's the Swiss Army knife of their toolkit. The Jimaware is used for athlete profiling, jump testing, fatigue monitoring, and for listing within velocity zones. The system provides real-time feedback on individual targets, plus it's got an impressive range of leaderboards. Now, for those that are after a VBT device that's affordable, for the individual and for smaller groups, we recently released our new laser-based product, Flex. Importantly, it's been independently validated and proven to be both accurate and reliable. So if you're interested in either product, or you wanna learn more about the velocity-based training and how it can help you as a coach, Check out our website or contact us directly. So in the meantime, we trust you enjoy the Coach DeMayo's podcast, Outside the Rack. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some fantastic practitioners that are always searching for more. But more what? What are strength and conditioning coaches searching for to better their ability to prepare their athletes? Well, what about cutting edge information? Or a place where you can find different opinions from forward-thinking coaches on what you're doing, how you're doing, and try to get feedback to be better for your athletes? Or what about a place where you'll find like-minded coaches that can provide solid coaching advice and career development for you as you progress through your career as a strength and conditioning professional? Well, this is exactly why we built the Strength Coach Network. You'll have access to exclusive monthly content on top of the sensationally active forum that we have where you can communicate with coaches all over the world to find those answers that you're looking for to help you be a better practitioner for your athletes. So make sure you hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 62nd episode of Outside the Rack, brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of GymAware. In this show, we're just going to try to dive a little deeper into the minds of the top practitioners in the world of sport performance to learn a little bit more about who they actually are and how they got to where they are today. Today, we are joined by the Director of Football Performance at Towson University, Dr. Justin Lima. Doc, thanks for joining us today, bud. Thanks for having me on, Jay. It's a pleasure. Yeah, man. Always great to catch up. Great to see you're doing well. Great to just freaking rap about this crazy world we're living in. But before we get too far into all that, brother, who is Dr. Lima? Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a coach, which means I'm also a mentor and a teacher, and I'm a learner. Um, all those things, you know, integrate into who I am and I put them in that order because to me, I have to be a good husband in order to be a good father. And then if I take care of my family life, um, I can do my job here well. And then to do my job well, I have to continuously be learning to, uh, to just get better at my craft, whether it's learning different modalities or just how to relate to people better. So that's why being a learner is very important to me too. Yeah, and I mean, obviously as a learner and someone who did enough learning to change his first name. Um, that's something that has been exceptionally valuable to you and is something that has probably brought you to a few aha moments that have really made you take a step back. So if you wouldn't mind, describe a learning situation that brought about an epiphany in your career. 
for me, the one that had the best epiphany was saying no so I can say yes to other stuff. <clears throat> At first, you can't really do that when you get into any field or any profession. You have to kind of say yes because there are a lot of opportunities. Um, but as you get further into the field of whatever you're doing, you have to say no so that way you can say yes to the things that really matter so you can actually prioritize and you're not just tied up doing things that are not essential to you, like find out what's most essential and do that. Um, then it also allows you to see how your assistants operate because you put skin in the game for them instead of them like kind of doing it. Um, they're, they're not playing with house money anymore. They're, they're doing it because you've delegated the task to them because you've said no. So now you can see what they do and your time is free to do the things that are truly important um, for your job. Oh man, I dig that. And I think that that's something that everybody can take a big step back, rewind this a couple minutes and listen to that again, because I think that all too often that first word no is what most coaches are most afraid to say because of whatever it may be, security or just a flat out fear of what may come of it. And I think that as soon as people understand that doing that is going to allow you to be better is, is such a huge moment. Yeah, it's not, can I do it? It's like, just say no, so that way your schedule is open for when something pops up, because it always will. You've got the ability to say yes to those really important things. So like, that's what it is. It's you're, you're giving yourself time. And when you also say no, you're saying yes to the other things. Again, it's not about can you do it, it's do you have the time and is it absolutely essential for you to be doing it? Yeah, because uh, if you can't take care of what's essential, then everything else kind of just diminishes what actually is the most important thing. Yeah, people like to, uh, they confuse, you know, activity for achievement and that's not the case. Like you have to just find what's truly essential. For me, it's I have to make sure that the program is you know safe and smart for our athletes and it's logically periodized and then making sure I'm using our monitoring system. Um, but I don't need to be doing all of the you know rudimentary small um, mindless tasks that aren't essential for me. Like let me see how my assistants can handle that. So that way I know um, how they operate. So when they want to go get head jobs, I can speak to it rather than project what it's like because I know what they've been able to do. Yeah, and I think the first thing that you said with that is really important for what we do. And it's something that all too often people in this performance world make the mistake of, and that's confusing activity for achievement. And I think that that's really important, like not to do that. Absolutely. But listen, Doc, let me get you here to number two, man. As a guy who digs, as a guy who's, I mean, again, going through all the work to, to figure out a way to, to change your first name questions are part of who you are finding better answers is a part of who you are so if dr lima could ask one question and he knows he would get the answer to it what would that question be and why i would want to know how can we get through to each kid to get them to have their internal discipline their internal drive like how can we get through to each kid so that way they can do what they need to get it done right like we've all had these experiences when we've been coaching for as long, you know, you've been coaching a lot longer than me, but even in my 10 years, you see kids that come back on campus and then thank you for this and that. And 
oftentimes they're the kids that might have been kind of fighting you um, during their time here, right? They might not have understood why you were the way you were or, you know, holding them certain accountability or certain standards. Um, and then they say that they really appreciate it and it's made them a better person in their job. And, you know, they became a father and now they're, um, they're applying the things that they learned, even though they hated it when they were here. How can we like speed that up a little bit? How can we get through to them sooner? So that way they don't have to go through those tough times. And I understand that there's growing pains, but you know, how can you get through to the kid that is continuing to, you know, wreck his body um, and in the process is doing foolish things outside of the facilities um, and, and honestly putting other people's lives in danger. Like how can you get through to that person so that way their activities aren't harming other people? Um, how can we make it happen sooner rather than when they come back four and five years later? Like that would just be amazing to me. And, and, it, uh, and I, I think everybody, I want to know that answer because to me, a lot of people's default is, oh, let's impose discipline on them. Let's do account. Like, it's not accountability stuff. That's called handholding. You're not actually helping these kids out with anything. Like, how can you get it to click? Because it's happened to all of us. Like, when you're young and then you learn to mature, how can we speed that process up for each kid? Because for me, I have a sport where there's 11 different positions. But even within the 11 different positions, you have kids from different backgrounds and you have to find the different things that push each kid. Like my cornerbacks, I treat differently than my linebackers. But even within that population, how you talk to each one of those kids is different. Um, so that would just be super, super interesting to me. I love that, man. And that's not one that we've had before. And I think, though, if you reflect on it a little bit, at least me is, is kind of an older human here in all this shit. But I think that there was a time where I kind of prided myself on the, I should have listened to you conversations, but now the, the more I've been in the game, it, it freaking, it like guts me when you hear kids like, man, if I would have listened, I would have been playing longer. Or if I would have done what you said, I would have done this longer. And, and before it was kind of like this machismo, like, yeah, I told you so, kind of, kind of trash. But now it's just like, man, what, what, where did we miss the boat? Like where, what part of it wasn't right? What part of it wasn't moving forward for you so we can be better? And I don't, I don't know, man. Like we've had some really, really good players come through here who have said that. And it's like, I don't know, like with football, but you hear it a lot with basketball where there's been like the one or two things that they wouldn't want to do that they kind of fight about. And they're like, man, if only, like, what it could have should have is a terrible talk. Yeah, same thing happens here. And that's why I'm saying, like, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen with kids, whether I was an assistant when I was at Maryland or at Iowa, you know, and then even in my short time here, um, one kid who I have a phenomenal relationship with, like, will literally just text me out of the blue. Uh, when we first, when I first got here, like, we butted heads because I was like, look, you're not doing, like, um, he just wanted, again, it was like his way, but it, it wasn't the, it was the little things weren't right. Or he wasn't, you know, taking my advice on new technique. Um, and we did, we butted heads at first and then slowly over time. Um, but, but by the time that happened, I mean, he was a senior, he was gone, you know, but to this day, I'm still programming for him on team builder. He's hitting me up. Like, 
you know, through Instagram or, or texting me when we like, cause he's an alum. So he'll hop on some of the team calls, um, team meetings we have, but like, how could I have gotten through to him a little sooner? So he could have gotten through to the players sooner, you know, because I reached out to him before our 2019 season. And I was like, you know, reflect on why we didn't succeed in 2018, right? Like we were projected to finish 10th in our league of, I think 12, we wound up being ranked in top 10 in the nation at one point. We were six and one, then we lost a game against Maine, which then we lost the next week against Delaware. Um, you know, and we didn't really know how to, like from my perspective, we didn't know how to respond to being good because everybody thought we were going to be bad. And then we get ranked 10th after beating Albany. And then it's like, our heads get big. And I felt it. And then the kid tells me that, right? Like we have a great relationship when he graduates after 2018 and he's like, Man, we just don't, didn't know how to handle winning. And so to try to get through to him sooner so he can get through to his teammates because you know what the kids go through between practice, games, the film study, like everything you have to do, like let's just – you have to work that hard. Like you might as well win the games that you play and we want to see you succeed. 100%, dude. 100%. And it's I love the fact that you tied it all the way back to just the simple fact of understanding what it takes to win and understanding what the responsibilities that come with it. But it even goes all the way out for further through everything else where you started it with, right? Like life decisions and things of that nature. So I think that that really is like a huge thing to be able to, to come to. Because I think, again, when younger coaches are going to sit here and listen and be like, well, you know, is it Moss training or tempos? And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it matters, but it doesn't matter because there's the other things that are bigger that you need to figure out because at the end of the day, the scoreboard is what matters and what it says on the left side versus the right side of your record is what really matters. Yeah, and, and the kid was a leader. He had, like, he had a huge following, a huge population of the team. He played as a freshman, um, you know, so he was a four-year starter. He was an all-league player as sophomore year didn't do as good as junior year like so we kind of wanted to rebound but i mean he was voted a team captain his senior year in 2018 so he had a he had a large reach right and so just like how you're trying to coach coaches so the coaches help their athletes better it, as a coach if you can have many coaches with you know leaders on the team he would have been one of them who if he could have again gotten through a little sooner um it would just help the whole team out and succeed so that way we can see them achieve the success that they want to have. Like nobody shows up to just be average and lose games. Like everybody wants to win them. So um, if I could do that, it would, it would pay dividends because the kid he's now doing um, social, um, not social security. Um, he's working like near the white house and doing stuff in DC, like secret service stuff. Right. So he's applying that like to his life and like, he's really, I'm really proud of him, right? And it's like, man, if we, if we could have just made it click a little bit sooner for him, um, that would have been awesome. Yeah, man, no doubt. Well, listen, Doc, let me get you out of here on the third and final one here. And that is, you know, as a guy who's researching, digging, asking questions, trying to find answers, trying to find ways to be better, not just for the kids, but for the staff, it's a lot, man. There's a lot that piles up. So what does Dr. Lima do to get back to zero, man? What's What's Justin's escape? Um, so hopefully I give you another answer that you have not heard before. I'm not going to give the cliche spend time with my family because I do love them. Um, my wife and my kids, but I have a two-year-old and a 10-month-old 
So in terms of escape, when I leave work, like that's more work. Um, you know, they're both going through their maturing process. A two-year-old is walking and talking and a 10-month-old is learning how to talk and he just yells randomly. So they're great to be with. It does escape work, but when I want to escape everything, um, I, I want to shut off, you know, we first asked husband, father, coach, mentor, and learner. I want to shut all of that off. So my escapes, I got three of them. Um, I started going to a Muay Thai kickboxing class on the weekends and at night. And there's just something primal about that one hour. There's no cell phone. I'm a student. I'm listening to the instructor and you're just kicking and punching. And it's, it's a great escape for that one hour. Um, I'll intentionally wake up on the, on the weekends, like Saturday morning, Sunday morning. I'll buy whole bean coffee, I'll ground it, and then I'll use my French press and then wake up and have like an hour to myself, just outside, just like kind of watching the sun, sun come up. And then I will uh, utilize a float tank about once a month to just again, shut it all out and just get back to neutral. So those are my three, um, and I did it in the order of what I'm able to do. I can kickbox pretty frequently. The coffee stuff I really can only do on the weekends and then float. I go about once a month. That's awesome, man. And I think that, you know, a lot of people talk about getting into those combat sports and the fact that you have to be so present in the moment, you know, like uh, I couldn't imagine like being in some situation with, with Graham and he's kicking things and not being present because he'd probably take my head and remove it from my shoulders. But it's uh, those sort of things seem to be therapeutic and almost like uh, meditated to people. Oh, hundred percent because you know, you need to like, you're going to listen to what the instructor says about, you know, whatever the count is. And if you're throwing, you know, one, two, switch, kick, roll under, you throw on a jab or across to the body and then across up top. Like you have to think about what you're going to do. You have to be present in the moment when you're doing it, but then you have to then remember how to do the opposite so that you can hold the mitts and then protect yourself when the person you're working with is doing it. So like you said, I have to be dialed into what I'm doing. So I'm actually kicking in the right spot. So I'm not hurting the person I'm in class with, but then I have to make sure I'm putting my hands in the right spot. So I'm giving them the right spot for them to hit what they need to. And then I'm obviously protecting myself too. So it's for that one hour, there's no cell phone. I'm not a husband. I'm not a father. I'm not a coach. I'm nothing besides a student in that class, just using my hands and feet. And it's, it's an amazing experience. I love it, brother. Doc, always great to catch up, man. Truly appreciate your time. And we'll be in touch real soon, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Jack. Yeah, man. Cheers.